evening, good afternoon. I'm Samira, and this is the Harvard Community from the Harvard Crimson. At today's tea party, our guests will talk about what it's like to be a student athlete at Harvard. The fact that Harvard has the largest Division I sports program in the country is always a shocker for prospective students and their parents when I'm giving tours. Ooh, it looks like our student athletes have arrived. Hello, I am Jaden Bush. I take the She Series. I am a senior from Federal Way, Washington. I currently live in Quincy House and I'm a member of the women's basketball program. Yeah, what's poppin'? My name's Mario Haskett. I'm a senior in Mather House from Richmond, Virginia. I take the He Series and I play on the men's basketball team. And you're watching Disney Channel. Dun, 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 dun. I really wish that this were Disney Channel. Unfortunately, it is not. <laughs> Nonetheless, Jaden and Mario, thank you both so much for joining us today. I hope you're ready to start spilling some tea. Starting very broadly, if someone were to ask you what it's like to be a student athlete at Harvard, what would you say? I would say it's definitely different than the traditional Division I college basketball experience. I'll speak to my experience as a basketball player specifically. I think that we are not afforded some of the privileges that people might think we have as athletes. I think that Harvard and the Ivy League really emphasis, emphasizes the student and student athlete. I definitely agree. Um, I would say that watching all of my friends who play at like other Division One schools around the country and like seeing some of the perks they get and just how they're treated in the light in the sports world is it's just way different like we definitely take a sacrifice in that realm but we also gain something from having that harvard name on our chest so y'all spoke uh i heard like privileges and like perks and stuff what are some of these things that um you're speaking about that you feel like your peer um student athletes get that y'all don't um well I know the first thing that comes to my mind is a lot of people from where I'm from think that I'm at Harvard on a scholarship, athletic scholarship, when that's not the case. I pay the regular tuition every year. Well, my parents do. Um, so that's like the biggest thing that comes to my mind when we say privileges. Definitely. Um, I think there's this misconception that the Ivy League offers any form of sports scholarship, and that's not the case. It is the same need-based financial aid process as any other student. There is no separate financial aid office that is considering our paperwork in any other way. So we are paying proportionally what we would if we were not an athlete at Harvard. I think in addition to that, people just assume that there is some support structure or benefits to athletes that we are just not being provided as, as Ivy students. There is an expectation that you are able to fend for yourself to a degree and handle your academics by yourself. We are not given any type of advisors that are athletic specific. We are not offered any tutors that travel with us on the road. Some of the things that a Power Five conference 
um, might have access to, it's, it's not the same. You started talking a little bit about um, like the academic experience of athletes. How, how do you feel, um, or like, how do you feel navigating Harvard, not only as an athlete, but as a student athlete? Do, do you feel that your experience might differ academically from the non-athletic regular people, as <laughs> some people like to say? Um, yeah, definitely. Navigating our way through the, the school part is definitely a little challenging, especially when we have to kind of abide by the scheduling that our coaches put out for like practice or events, or sometimes we have to go like go have lunches or something with certain faculty. So you might not be able to take that class that you've been wanting to take for all these all these years you've been here just because you have practice at that time. And it really teaches us like time management and how to like schedule our lives, but also our lives are ended up getting scheduled around basketball all the time. I think this is definitely a question that can vary depending on the sport that you participate in. Um, specifically speaking to basketball, they're just you can't just have position groups coming in and practicing at the different times. I'm not a track athlete. I can't just come in and get my workout in with my group. So there is an immense academic sacrifice you're making. You just simply can't decide your schedule and present that schedule to your coach and say, this is what I'm going to do. So there's there's definitely just your even so even maybe your academic track can be determined by your practice schedule and uh your team and that's it's that is different from uh the NARP experience and I say that fondly NARP. I say that with NARP. <laughs> I use that no term fondly, honestly so. yeah like it's crazy because you find out that when you get an injury that's when you actually are able to do all the school stuff that you want to do and that's the sad part but like that's the reality like you get hurt you're like dang right now I got so much time I could have did like the CS major I really wanted to do but didn't have time to go to because there was too many labs during practice so I know Jaden is CS50 right now huh real mm. took CS50 and I dropped out <laughs> <laughs> yeah Facts. and the, well and the reason that I'm able to take some of those courses right now is just due to the nature of being at home and not being at school. So it's it's yeah. crazy how much my academic freedom has opened up in my schedule this semester specifically. Do you feel um, like within the classroom, do you feel that your interactions with professors are different because you're an athlete? Mm, well, as far as my professors, they've all been really understanding about when we have like games, we have to go on road trips and I might have to either take a test early or uh, turn in a paper early or like just anything. All of my professors have been really understanding, which is a blessing. But some of my other athlete friends have other things to say. But yeah. I think in terms of professors, they fall on any end of the spectrum. So I know a number of people... Expos is a great example. If you miss two Expos classes, it says in every syllabus you failed class, right? And as an athlete, if you that first of all, that cuts the the Expos topics in half that you could take. Because if you have one that's meeting on a Thursday, forget about it. Forget about yeah. it. You mm -hmm. put that one to the side. You're not taking that Expos. And it's just things like that, like the hoops you have to jump through. Sometimes, sometimes my professor will take my word for it. Oh, you're gone this weekend. Uh, you can do X, Y, and Z to make this up. Other times. They want a letter from my coach, a letter from my dean. Uh, they just make you jump through all these hoops. And I think 
with that being said, there are also classes that professors really heavily advertise as I would like to have as many athletes as possible in this class. And why, why would you need to say that if some classes aren't necessarily uh, geared towards the athlete population? So it right. goes both ways. <laughs> Got y'all jumping through hoops, ain't shooting hoops enough? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Um, a, a little bit earlier in the conversation, y'all talked about like you had to make some academic sacrifices. Um, do you feel like because academic sacrifices because of your being an athlete, do you feel like you have to make social sacrifices as well? Definitely. Um, <clears throat> it's not as well. It's not as bad for me, at least. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would have to be like, yeah, I had to cut out some of the times where like people were going to do certain stuff that I was like, oh, I really kind of want to take that trip over to MIT or, like, go to the mall with them or sometime or go to this function sometimes. But we have practice or we have a game the next day, so that's probably not the best thing to do before a game. So, I mean, the sacrifice for me is it was I, – I was, I was able to deal with it. During Ivy League play, we are away every other weekend. So you can do with that information what you will when you think about <laughs> – how we suffer in our social lives. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would echo everything that Rio said. People, you just don't have, and not just even social life, like extracurriculars, where's the time to just be going and doing something in the middle of the day? It's it's not there. And, again, that might that might just be a sports-specific thing, but it's just exponentially slower for any anything that's not school or basketball. Listen, we... There are days where both of us, like the men's and women's team, will have days where you go into the gym and the sun is still up. You leave the gym and you're like, dang, where did the sun go? And you're like, dang, I got a paper closed. due in a few hours. D-Hall closed. <laughs> you're, all of a sudden you're in a different climate zone. The wind chill <laughs> over the river. Right. When it's snowing, it's like <laughs> negative seven degrees. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need y'all to walk to practice still, even though it's snowing. Yeah. If I could walk in the snow, y'all could walk in the snow. But then again, I don't walk in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we were talking a little bit about, you know, little social sacrifices. <laughs> um, but there are some people who think, judging by my Instagram DMs at least, that um, athletes do have this leg up against others uh, socially. And also when it comes to, you know, romantic relationships, not only platonic ones. Do you agree or disagree with that? I mean, it is cuffing season. Um. <laughs> but yeah, do you agree or disagree? Um, I definitely agree with it to a certain extent. Like there's so like certain social spaces are definitely a little bit more open for certain athletes. I guess it just depends on who's like what the population of that social space is. And like it, it definitely varies on campus. As for the cuffing season part, um, a lot of people on campus could care less if you were an athlete or not. But there's there's some who care, but there's a lot more who are like, oh, yeah, that's cool. What sport do you play again? I'm like, oh, okay. So we got like a neutral field. So that's definitely a, I like that part, honestly. I think that in terms of athlete dating circles, you, you see some of that. Again, I haven't experienced that, but I will say, like any extracurricular that you join, it is a built-in, if you make it, a built-in friend group or a built-in familiarity. When I came onto campus, I knew at least I would know 15 people. So I think to that degree, people who think that athletes 
have more access to to social spaces, I think that's 100% valid because you're tapping into your teammates' social networks as well. We work together to make plans on the weekends. We spend a lot of time together. So I think that that's totally valid. I think that some specific, so specific physical locations are more geared towards athletes than others. And I do tend to frequent those locations more than others. I agree with that statement. Do y'all think that, that um, athletes... Um, populate those clubs more? I think athletes disproportionately take up spaces in vinyl clubs, again, because it's more likely that you know somebody who's in a club that is on your team and can grant you access to that space. I'm personally not in a club, and I personally, I personally have had... I don't, I don't know really what I want to call it, but I definitely have been granted access through a lot of the finals clubs due to my athlete friends. Mm. Okay, well, this brings us to our last question for the tea party. We are still in the middle of this global pandemic. Global pandemic. Yes, I'm snitching. I'm ready. Anyways, <laughs> how has um, this pandemic affected your programs or your personal trajectories as athletes. I know when we first got kicked off campus, like nobody really knew the gravity of the situation as far as like the long-term impacts on extracurriculars, on sports, on academics, on everything. So if you could just talk a little bit about, yeah, how it has impacted you. Well, well, I can go on this one. (laughs) My personal uh, trajectory it might have increased. I've been giving more opportunity and time to do uh, other things of my interest as far as music, um, kind of dive into learning more about real estate and politics and just like thing adult things that I feel like I should have learned already, but like just didn't have time to. Um, I got an opportunity to get an extra year to play basketball, but in that opportunity, where, where, I, where, where? I get to go to the other HU and HBCU. Oh, oh. so I, yes, yeah, so. That was actually a blessing, and I read this quote on Instagram the day before I committed, and it was like, sometimes if your plans, like, don't go as planned, then you'll miss out on a blessing coming soon after, and it was definitely a blessing. Yeah, I just I just want to acknowledge first, before I talk about all the good things that have, have happened during this time, like, how catastrophic this time has been for people, how many people in the United States have lost their lives to this pandemic, and how serious this pandemic should be taken. That being said, a lot of things happen to fall in line for me during this pandemic. I will be continuing my academic and athletic careers at the University of California, Berkeley for two years. And so personally, my trajectory, I have just been given what I feel like is is a second chance at this college basketball career. I tore my labrum. I had a complete like shoulder reconstruction um, after my sophomore year. So that was really devastating. And the fact that they are giving us this eligibility to continue to play um, is incredible. So I'm excited. And like I said, I've met more people on Zoom this semester than I have in three years at Harvard. I've met so many people. I feel (laughs) my schedule has been perfect. So there are definitely things that uh, have been going good but these professors are really out of control they need to be (laughs) shut 
down <laughs> these, this work and these deadlines mm. and conducting their class half on a Google Drive, half in Canvas and half in email and and part of it on Zoom. Like it's it's a mess. They're a mess. And I just want to like also just um I for those for those people that it's not going right for them, I, I feel I feel for them and like more should be done. And these course evaluations are gonna get ugly. Mm. <laughs> Reconstruction. 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 You sound like the Civil War. Oh my goodness. There's some there's no. some great professors too. Shout out yeah. Dr. Linda Chavers. Period. One of my favorites. She's a gem. She gets it. Everyone else. Mm-hmm. Pick it up. <laughs> Pick it up or pack it Get up. Get it together. Warm the buses. Warm the buses. They got to go. Some people have to go. All right. That is all we have for today. Before I let you go, just want to send all of my best wishes and luck to everyone as we head into reading period and into exams. It's been a tough semester. And I just want to wish everybody the best of luck. <laughs> so I hope to see you back next time right here on the Harvard community.